Hello, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Advantage Podcast. I am Alicia M. Pennington, owner of Advantage, mama, business consultant, and your host. I started this podcast back in 2016 to bring awareness to business-related topics and athletic training. And now here we are seven years later on season four, discussing the transition from self-employment to business ownership. Let's dive in. Are you a self-motivated athletic trainer looking to take control of your work? Advantage is seeking relationships with athletic trainers who want autonomy, flexibility in their schedule, and who thrive in non-traditional contract opportunities. If this sounds like you, get in touch. Key learning objectives. Distinguish between working independently as a self-employed person and business ownership. Identify what it means to be a business owner and its implications for the self-employed person to reap rewards associated with it. Determine if business ownership is the best fit for your individual situation. We discussed what it means to be self-employed in our previous episode, and now we're going to explore the benefits of being a business owner. To be clear, being self-employed does not inherently require you to start a business. However, as we will explore here together, there are tremendous benefits to doing so. These include two primary components, tax advantages and risk mitigation. Let's start off by discussing the distinction between self-employment and business ownership. So, all business owners are self-employed. However, not all self-employed people are business owners. These words are often used interchangeably. And so I want to take the time to distinguish them, not only for means of this podcast, but so that you can distinctly identify which is applicable to you and how to move forward correctly. As a self-employed person, you can be referred to as an independent contractor, as we mostly explored in the previous episode, or as a sole proprietor, which is the distinction that the IRS uses to label a self-employed person. You work for yourself in a job that you created outside of starting a business. A self-employed independent contractor or sole proprietor cannot have employees or others working for them, and they just represent themselves within their own name and their own social security number. As a business owner, therefore, they are someone who has set up a business entity completely separate of themselves as a person. You don't need to have anyone else working with or for you, but you can. And the major distinction here is that you have registered yourself as doing business with a local or a state agency. There is often a brand or an alternative business name established and an employer identification number, known as an EIN for short, that is used when conducting business instead of using your personal social security number. The distinction between these may seem trivial, and when being described, may be difficult to differentiate from each other. However, 
the benefits associated with business ownership versus just being self-employed is major, which is why we're spending an entire episode discussing it. Because of the popularity of self-employed work in athletic training and general professional trades, whether that's legal, chiropractic, physical therapy, photography, whatever it is, there is a large opportunity being missed by self-employed people out there. If you're going to be taking on the risk and the liability associated with self-employed work, which is what we touched on in the last episode, you might as well take advantage of all the benefits associated with business ownership, especially because you have already done 70 to 80% of the work just because you're a self-employed person. The business ownership status will require a minimal more amount of work and will reap you much larger rewards. According to research conducted on entrepreneurship and well-being, a study looked at switches from unemployment to self-employment, which they deemed necessity entrepreneurship, and then transitions from regular to self-employment, which is what they deemed opportunity entrepreneurship. It was found that necessity entrepreneurs experience improvements in their mental, but not their physical health while opportunity entrepreneurship leads to both physical and mental health gains. Just pause there for a second and think about this. I feel like the reaction and the thought around going from a steady and reliable and consistent paycheck and employer and single place of business is seen as more healthy or a greater sense of well-being when it comes to either spiritual or emotional or physical or mental health. And this study demonstrates that when you switch from regular employment, so a normal job with an employer, W-2 pay, consistent, all of those things, when you switch from there to self-employment, so the scary part that oftentimes people are intimidated by, you don't necessarily know where your next check is coming from, you may or may not have reliable income. This study demonstrates that they still found greater improvements in both physical and mental health. That's saying a lot about both what we put up with when we are in employment settings and also what becomes available to us when we go into self-employed settings. And what was the most interesting about this article was that the health improvements couldn't be explained by changes in income, which again, people would assume that, well, maybe they had better mental health because they were making more money. That may not necessarily be the case. It's not guaranteed that you will make more money, right? It wasn't explained by working conditions. So it's not necessarily that they, when they became self-employed, they had greater access to supplies or resources, or that all of a sudden they were working at top tier caliber settings and with organizations that they just had incredible working conditions. Sometimes it may even be the opposite, that you're giving up access to 
really nifty modalities and really reliable resources in order to go into self-employed work where you might have to be scrappy and figure it out. So the improvements were not explained by changes in income or working conditions, and they were not driven by personality or risk preferences. So again, the idea that, well, somebody who is more averse to risk or their personality allows for them to thrive better in self-employment, they found no correlation related to that. So it's demonstrating that regardless of what our preconceived notions are related to the ability to secure self-employed work for ourselves or the risk or you know the potential complications that may come as a result of it those are simply perceptions that this study is showing there is a difference and it's a positive a healthy gain in both mental and physical health for people who switch from regular employment to self-employment and so look As we move further away from how to work as a clinician and explore deeper into non-traditional ways of working, we're diverging greatly from the learning and the education that is offered to us in school. Even with increased exposure to new settings, there is still no practical learning or application offered during our years of professional education. We require guidance and mentorship associated with making decisions about self-employed work and business ownership, a type of mentorship that explains and provides resources for better understanding the options available. This is not an experience offered to us while working clinically, and it requires seeking consultation beyond just didactic skills in order for us to be informed of this. And this is why I do these podcasts. This is why I offer this as free continuing education because I know it is difficult to find resources that speak to this directly. And I know that firsthand because of how many of you have reached out saying, how do I do this? I have this burning desire inside of me and I want to do something to answer it. I don't even know where to start. You may be inspired by my journey. You may see an example of me and yourself. And I want you to have the answers. I want you to have the resources because truthfully, our profession is going to be better because of it. We are going to have greater levels of satisfaction. We're going to have greater levels of health and mental gains, right? Like we just talked about in that research That's the most that we could ask for out of this. And the financial and the tax and all of the other things, it's just an added benefit. But if we as a profession can become stronger and more endeared to the work that we do because suddenly we've opened up a pathway that allows us the time and the flexibility and the freedom to be able to practice in a way that sets our soul on fire, what more could we ask for? What more could we want? And by doing that, we're also serving a greater population. We're serving a greater need that is within the healthcare market. We know how messed up it is to try to access healthcare, especially post-pandemic. And 
When we think about the orthopedic needs that our profession addresses, keeping people out of urgent cares and other impacts on the healthcare system so that we can not only address their problem more directly, but not put them through a system that is wrecked by being self-employed, offering concierge services, doing a private practice. And honestly, and we will get into this, you don't even have to offer athletic training services. You can offer an Etsy shop of stickers, right? And we will talk about that. But if we just focus on utilizing the skills that we went to school for, if we just are focused on optimizing what we already have available to us inherently through our education, there is so much opportunity available. And that's why I want to expose you to this type of work. Self-employment is a gateway into business ownership. And business ownership is an opportunity to develop your own career in a way beyond traditional norms and standards. Moreover, it can provide extreme flexibility in your schedule, coupled with an unlimited earning potential. It disrupts markets, it adds competition to a niche, and it drives innovation within an industry. For a profession who faces severe retention issues, while also asking grads to take on greater amounts of debt to enter the profession, the possibility of business ownership offers an alternative option for early and late career workers. And as we see greater movement within the workforce, be it the great resignation or other pandemic-related or just completely external factors, whether that is the market or economics or personal reasons, establishment of work-from-home positions or the gig economy, the creativity that continues to emerge over and over as we see new business models, Airbnb, Uber, all of this stuff. The translation of self-employment into business ownership is really, really meaningful. And moreover, research shows that rates of self-employment rise during recessions and it decreases during economic upswings. With the state of the economy in question and a recession being discussed, the relevance of this topic has never been more appropriate. My husband and I started a consulting firm for aspiring and established business owners who are looking to start, scale, or shift their businesses. We've worked with everyone from independent athletic trainers to multi-million dollar corporations. We've translated our foundational principles across 35 plus industries and would love to support you as well. Head to penningtonperspective.com for more info or feel free to just DM me directly on IG at it's Alicia MP. That's I-T-S-A-L-I-S-H-A-M-P. See you there. All right, let's jump into the two major benefits to business ownership, especially in comparison to self-employment. They are taxes and liability. So 
as a self-employed person, there are tax benefits, and that is what we discussed in the previous episode. However, you are limited in the ways that you can take advantage of tax write-offs. These open up a ton more once you dive into business ownership. So for example, in 2020, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was passed. This was something that was put in place to help businesses specifically recover and get through the pandemic. One of the provisions that was written was called the Pass-Through Business Deduction. This provision allowed for business owners to automatically write off 20% of their income from federal income tax. So what does this mean? Going back to the example that we used from the last episode, where you're going to earn $10,000 for the year in self-employed income, and we had $3,000 of deductions for you to have professional fees covered, some attire, some driving back and forth to work, all of those are going to be deductions that you're going to be able to take. So we have $3,000. So this leaves you with a $7,000 tax liability. So if you had been set up as a business instead of a self-employed person, you would have then been able to take an additional 20% off your federal income tax bill just because you were a business for no other reason. And so that would have been an additional $1,400 in your pocket. So instead of owing taxes on $7,000, you would have owed taxes on $5,600. That is a lot of money to keep in your pocket simply because you went through the actions to set yourself up as a business. This is a perfect example of how when you're self-employed, you don't get the access to these kinds of benefits. Another thing that happened during the pandemic that was only available to businesses was the PPP loan. This was the payment protection plan where if you kept your employees, so in this case yourself, working, then you were able to recover lost wages. If you were a self-employed person, you could have filed for unemployment. That was a distinction that they allowed for during the pandemic. But otherwise, you would have had no real benefit. You would have had to have been set up as a business. And when you're set up as a business, you can expand the number of deductions that you can take beyond just when you're self-employed. So all the work that is done in an effort to secure business is also now a write-off. This can include meetings that you have over meals, the work that you might do in a coffee shop or a bar, any type of business travel in your attempt to try to secure business, any of your marketing efforts, and so much more. So when you're self-employed, you can write off the expenses that are required for you to be able to keep working but not the expenses required in the pursuit of work. So you can't write off marketing costs when you're a self-employed person, but you can when you're a business. For example, you get business cards made. That is a write-off now, right? And so many other things. So a lot there. And so it is possible that this will not 
apply to all of you who are listening. But did you also know that you can hire your kid to work inside of your business as a tax advantage? So in our business, so we have the staffing company advantage, the one that most of you are likely familiar with. And we have a secondary business that is a consulting company. And in that consulting company, we have hired our two-year-old daughter to be a model. So what that means is we have her on places in our website. She shows up on our social media. When we're talking about the delivery of consulting services, we're speaking to the lifestyle, the freedom, the ability to be home with our daughter, all of the things that we already believe in and altruistically would promote and market anyways, but we're now able to pay her as a model within that business. And so what we do is we're able to take money and you can do it up to the standard deduction for that year. The standard deduction is typically around twelve dollars to $13,000 for an individual. I believe in 2023, it will be just over $13,000. We're able to take $13,000 per year from our consulting company and put it into our personal bank accounts. And we use that money to pay for her to go to school, to fund her 529, to buy her gifts, to be able to do fun experiences with her. And that is money that we otherwise would have had to pay taxes on in our business this also would not be possible if we had not set ourselves up as a business. If we were simply working as self-employed individuals in our consulting company, we would not have the opportunity to employ our daughter, to move $13,000 a year from the business into our personal accounts to, again, pay for expenses that we already would have paid for. We were already going to send her to school. We already have to pay for diapers. We already want to do fun experiences with our daughter. We were going to incur those costs regardless of whether we were able to funnel that money back and forth or not. But again, the list of advantages goes far beyond these few examples, especially when you start to consider having others work for you or setting up health insurance or retirement or other benefits. That's another thing. As a self-employed person, it's a lot more difficult to get retirement set up for yourself. You can take advantage of an IRA and it is possible to have solo 401ks, but you have to be a business in order to do that. So a solo 401k, you can just be a sole proprietor of an LLC and you can set up a 401k for yourself. This is another way to funnel money from your business into accounts or savings or expenses that you otherwise would have already taken advantage of. So I want to try to keep this as approachable as possible. I don't want you to feel overwhelmed and thinking, how am I going to make money? $13,000 a year is a lot. It is a lot. It's over $1,000 a month. And obviously you have to be able to generate revenue and have profit within your business in order to do that. But again, if you're already working as a self-employed person, if you're already taking gig work, if you're already signing onto apps, going on the Facebook groups, you're already doing things that are paying you 
filter it through a business so that you can become way savvier and find ways to take money off the books that you don't have to pay taxes on. Another huge benefit to business ownership as opposed to self-employed work is the liability and risk. When you start a business and you funnel your self-employed work through it, you insulate yourself from personal liability. And I just want to be clear, in order to do this, you do have to start an LLC or a limited liability corporation. I will cover how to do that in the next episode. When you start a business, you are creating an entirely separate entity from yourself. It stands on its own. It has its own social security number, which is known as the employer identification number or an EIN. You will open its own business bank account. It will likely have its own separate name. All of those things. It truly is an entirely separate entity. Again, I will cover all of that in the next episode and I will talk about what is required to do this, how to do it, and then what to do in order to continue to maintain it so that you are legal and compliant. But as a result of it being separate, you also are able to distance your own personal assets from risk when you're conducting business operations. So your personal assets basically include like a home or a car that you might own, maybe retirement money or a savings account that you have, future earnings or your current salary, and so many other things. Think about all that is available to you or that you have in your possession as a person. When you conduct business operations separately from yourself as an LLC, you're able to create distinction and separation between those. Conducting business operations could be anything from simply rendering services to actually opening up an entire space and having liability associated with that. So with each business type, there are obviously varying degrees of risk, but in all cases, establishing a business for separation is recommended. So here's what I mean by that. Even if you are simply setting up an LLC so that every single time you take on per diem work, it is being paid and ran through that business instead of you as the individual, you're already doing the separation. You're already protecting yourself. You're already ensuring that your own personal assets are not at risk. And that's that's the farthest that you may ever want to go. You're not required to open a brick and mortar and develop an entire suite of services and try to leave your job. Like none of that is required. The bare minimum in my opinion, is simply start a business to run your gig work through. If you're working as a per diem worker, just set up the LLC, run it through there. You'll be able to take advantage of all these tax benefits that I'm talking about, and you will have that separation of liability and risk. And in the event that anything ever happened in your business, no one would be able to come after your personal assets. If you were sued, or found to be negligent, or someone hurt themselves at your place of business, if you happen to open a brick and mortar, all of your personal assets and earnings could be compromised if you're not a separate entity or a business owner. 
However, if you had an LLC, they'd only be able to come after what was under that LLC, which drastically limits what is at risk from your personal life. Again, I brought up in the previous episode all of the situations that you walk into when you're a per diem athletic trainer. The lack of medical history, the probably not even access to emergency contacts, possibly not even written documentation of you being there, perhaps not even a documentation platform that you're using to write down and document your interactions. Imagine if three years from now, you were contacted about a soccer tournament that you provided coverage for, and they were asking you about Susie's knee because Susie has never been able to return and you're jogging your memory. You barely remember Susie. You've worked so many per diem gigs between now and then. Well, they end up discovering that because you didn't have proper documentation statuses, because your insurances weren't in place to cover you as a self-employed individual, that you actually were negligent in the rendering of your services. And as a result of that, they come after the home that you own, some of your personal savings, and are able then to also go after future earnings so that you can be made responsible for the damage that Susie incurred at that soccer tournament. That sounds terrible. Who would ever want that for themselves? But truthfully, that is the reality of what so many of us are walking into when we pick up per diem gigs. We don't fully understand the risk and the liability that is associated with this. And so by starting a business, having a separate entity that you're running this under, you limit your risk and your exposure to just what that business does. So in this situation where you make $10,000 a year working as a side gig per diem worker, they would only have access to up to $10,000 a year of claims, right? And so yes, ideally your insurance provider would cover it, but if you had never informed your insurance provider that you were working as a self-employed person, that would be void. You would have no coverage there. And so the most that they could ever come after was $10,000 of earnings because it's under a completely separate entity. What they are able to sue is that business, not you, the individual. Of course, you, the individual are named in that lawsuit, but what is available to them for damages is only in that. You will notice that in many other industries, most professionals who work as self-employed people do so under a business. So whether you look at professional industries, such as physicians, lawyers, therapists, anybody there, or you look at more technician-type trades like mechanics or hairstylists or IT professionals, the popularity of starting your own business is prevalent in most areas beyond just athletic training. In fact, we're sort of a phenomena of professionals who work independently and accept self-employed work without doing so under a business. And if you take this in comparison to freelance type industries, for example, like journalism or sometimes like videography or photography, in instances where there is precedent within an industry to work as a self-employed person, even then, the popularity of doing so under a business exists. 
And even when the work is rendered just by the individual, for example, writing or the virtual assistant industries are majorly freelance positions. But those specialists often are still representing themselves as individuals, but will likely get paid as a business. And so again, our profession, we just haven't been exposed to this type of thinking. It's not commonplace enough. It still feels very novel and honestly, borderline radical. This idea of running a business or starting a business And that is why I want to normalize the conversation around taking self-employed work and running it through a business entity because self-employed work has already been normalized to a large degree, specifically in relation to per diem and to gig work. There is already a pretty high precedent for people who take on gigs beyond just their normal employer, beyond their regular job. And If you're doing that, it needs to be ran through a business. Even if you don't want to take it any further, the benefits are there. The risk that's associated needs to be mitigated. And also, as legislation continues to look at the distinction between a self-employed person and an employee, the greatest way to ensure that your self-employed status is protected is to do so under a business. For example, In California, AB5 was passed in 2020, and it basically proclaims that the employee status is now the default for all working relationships. So what does that mean? So at the federal level, when the IRS looks at, are you a self-employed person or are you an employed person? It is a balanced scale. What California did was said, No, no, there isn't a balanced scale anymore. It is assumed that they are an employed person and the employer or the self-employed person now has to overcome the hurdle of demonstrating that their work is actually self-employed and not that of an employed person. So it completely usurps the federal stance, which is that a worker could either be an independent contractor or they could be an employee. And the guidelines that are followed to determine which one they are, California basically made it way more strict to demonstrate that you are a self-employed person. So if you want to make sure that you're taking advantage of these tax benefits, if you want to make sure that the risk and the liability associated with your work is mitigated, and that you want to be able to continue demonstrating yourself in this self-employed status, set up a business. It's truly not that hard. And like I've said, you're already doing 70 to 80% of the work. When people think about starting businesses, it's like, where am I going to find customers? What services am I going to render? Where do I even start? And again, I will cover a lot of that in this season's episodes. But when we're thinking just strictly about doing gig and per diem work, there is no reason why we shouldn't be setting ourselves up as a business to run it under. As the popularity of new settings, alternative ways of practicing, and entrepreneurship rises, the number of professionals seeking self-employment status will increase along with it. And with that, understanding the distinction between self-employed and business owner will afford more people 
the ability to make informed decisions related to risk and to opportunity, to truly take advantage of your standing as a self-employed person, whether that be for tax reasons, for risk, protection of your status, becoming a business owner has major benefits. Not to mention, findings from research identified non-monetary benefits of self-employment, such as physical and mental health gains. And all of this allows for greater delivery of quality care to patients and increases the likelihood of various patient populations accessing affordable care from an athletic trainer. Thank you for listening. You are now eligible to receive a Category A CEU. Head to advantageacademy.com. Find the title of this podcast as a course name and complete the quiz for your credit. As always, if you found this useful, please recommend it to peers or share about it on social media. Be sure to tag us at The Advantage. That's T-H-E-A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E.